Hey everybody, welcome back to the Depths of Music Podcast. My name is Nick, and today we are doing a little bit of something different. Uh, the summer has just begun, and the show has just hit a bunch of major milestones. A few weeks back, uh, if you saw my Instagram post, we celebrated the one-year anniversary of this show, which is crazy to think about that it's been almost a year since this little journey has began. We also just published our very first interview ever uh, as of two weeks ago at the time that you're hearing this, a week ago at the time that I'm recording this. So that's really exciting and I've really appreciated all the support that we've gotten on that interview so far. And we just crossed a thousand total views on the podcast, which when compared to a lot of other content creators that might not seem like a lot but this is a milestone that I have been chasing for a very very long time and I've been very excited to get the growth of the show recently has really been uh, a lot of fun for me so to kind of commemorate all these big milestones and kind of one uh we're gonna be doing a little bit of a lightning round now what we're going to be doing is I asked you on my Instagram both my personal Instagram and my Depths of Music Instagram account, which you should definitely follow if you want to keep up with things going on with the show, um, not just this kind of stuff, but I'm sure we'll be doing more of these. And basically, I just asked you to give me artists that you want opinions on, because I get asked a lot uh, by people who know I do the show about artists and all that kind of stuff, so... I don't get a chance to cover every single artist on the show because obviously I only do this once every other week. I don't hit everything. I don't know about everything. So I have a list of some artists and I'm just going to kind of freestyle a little bit of my opinions on said artists. Once again, um, even though I run a music podcast, my scope, even compared to some people I know is very limited. Um, there are definitely areas of musical blind spots for me, uh, and we're going to touch on some of these as we go through. So I was not familiar with all of these groups before going in, and I'll talk about my experience with each group and whatever, so you can fully understand my opinion. Um, once again, as this is what I would like to call very early in my podcasting career, uh, many of these opinions are subject to change. Uh, and a lot of these things, because of time, I was only able to get one listen through. So, kind of with all of that out of the way, let's dive into the first band we're talking about. We're talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And despite the legacy of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I really do have yet to take a full, deep dive into their music. I've listened to their newest album, Unlimited Love, and I listened to Blood uh, Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, which I believe is spelled magic with a K. That's not how it is in my script, but, you know. To be honest, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, uh, because I know that's one of their more classic works, didn't super impress me on first listen. I thought there were some really great moments on it, but overall I thought the re I remember thinking the record was a little long-winded. Then again, that might be changed. Uh, it's a good record, I think. It's something I understand why a lot of people enjoy. It just really wasn't doing it for me the same way it did it for a lot of people. Um, their new album, Unlimited Love, I also thought was totally okay. Um, not super, like, memorable for me, didn't really, like, strike me in a way, but I, I definitely thought it was a pretty solid record, and I feel like if you like the Chili Peppers, you'll enjoy that record. Um, all that being said, I do really enjoy some of their songs, and they're very clearly a talented band. 
um, even though their lyrics, for the most part, mean pretty much nothing. Uh, the musicianship at play in terms of just like songwriting, creating catchy melodies, good hooks, and just the uh, like performances of each member of the band is something that you know is definitely worth noting. So if I really kind of dove into the breadth of their discography, the depth of their discography, pun intended as well, um, I feel like I could like the Chili Peppers more than I do. Um, as a bass player, Flea deserves all the praise he gets, and I really love his recent cameo in a hit TV series. I will not spoil, but if you keep up with it, you will know what I'm talking about. Um, I have infinite respect for Red Hot Chili Peppers, even if their music has yet to really make a giant connection with me. I have a lot of friends who really enjoy Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm going on a beach trip, which is part of the reason I'm recording this episode so early in advance is because I won't be able to do anything next week. Um, and I know a lot of them are Red Hot Chili Peppers fans, and I can listen to a lot of their biggest singles and be absolutely cool with it. But in terms of like a full-length project, nothing has really connected with me personally yet. And... Spoiler alert, that's how it's going to go for a lot of artists on this list. I found myself writing that phrase where it's like, I really like some of their singles, but as a full like artist, it has yet to really connect. I, f I found that pretty common within uh, my exploration in the list. Next is Sleeping at Last, the first of a few groups that I was not familiar with before this episode. Uh, to kind of prep myself, I listened to their newest album. It's 2019 Atlas Enumgram to prepare. They do this, basically what I would describe their sound as, is this big, orchestral, wistful, like, pop ballads. Um, and despite, you know, the nice orchestral touches and really gorgeous arrangements, when listening to all these songs back-to-back, -back, it really just kind of melded into one for me. The lead singer's voice, I feel like, doesn't particularly stand out. And if... The first description I gave of them makes it seem like it's up your alley. It might be, but if this kind of like big melodramatic pop music is not your thing, which is not my thing, this probably won't do it for you. I can really appreciate some of the nicer like touches they put on it. Uh, the track eight in particular on the album I thought was a really great departure from the sounds uh, before. But to me, the lyrics uh, being like fairly decent and the good orchestral arrangements can't save the fact that this kind of only works for me in short bursts. Uh, I can listen to like one song here and there, but overall as a full project, this didn't really stick the landing for me. This style just doesn't really appeal to me. These big pop ballads they just it just kind of went nowhere and despite some of the more interesting flares they put on somebody like then like a Louis Capaldi puts on it just really didn't super work for me um overall I think it's totally decent it's not up my alley but I feel like this may really hit for certain people so I don't want to dog on this too much even though I didn't particularly enjoy it I think if you want to give this a go and you listen to one of their songs and you really like it, I think you can really love this band, and that's totally fine. But personally, it's just not doing it for me. Next up, uh, this is actually one I got requested twice. Greta Van Fleet. Um, this is an interesting one. So rock band Greta Van Fleet is one that I think 
goes for a lot of people who are like around music that we know Greta Van Fleet more from reputation in their music. Uh, the most common thing you're going to know is that people have described them as shameless Led Zeppelin ripoffs. And it's a reputation that really has made me not really take a full deep dive into the band until now. Because I'm still working my way through the backlogs of classic rock. Uh, I've obviously listened to pretty much all the Led Zeppelin stuff, but like... I have not gone through every single great classic rock artist. We're going to touch one in a minute uh, that I, I have not uh, gone through their album. So going to like new bands that are calling back to this old style has just never really been something that appeals to me in terms of just listening. So that's just why I haven't ever really taken a look. Um, so I sampled like two to three songs from both of their studio albums and their EPs to really, uh, their one EP, sorry, there's, I believe, only one EP, um, to really kind of get a sense of how this band is, not only just at the beginning, because, you know, Led Zeppelin themselves started off ripping off a bunch of people, so, like, obviously, there's room for growth, so I wanted to just kind of see how that evolves, and, uh, yeah, the talent is definitely there in the band in terms of, like, musicianship, virtuosity, like, they're really good players, the guys can play their hearts out, and, the lead singer is doing a hell of a job on those vocals. These are incredibly tight musicians. You cannot deny them that. But at the end of the day, the resemblance to their influence, in my opinion, is still too strong. Despite what are some enjoyable songs, there is nothing to me that Greta Van Fleet is doing that makes me go, I'd rather listen to this than Led Zeppelin or Yes or all the other bands that influence them. They make good music, I think, they have some songs that are definitely enjoyable and I can totally listen to them and I enjoyed listening to them, but there's nothing that makes it worth going out of your way for when you can just get that in the original form somewhere else. And to be honest, even though they're trying to emulate them and they do a somewhat decent job, you're not getting the same quality as you're getting from legends like Yes or from Led Zeppelin. To me, despite the popularity they've gotten, which we all know why they've gotten that popularity, it's because classic rock is dead or whatever, and I have a whole rant about that. But to be honest, for me, Greta Van Fleet is an example kind of of why rock is seen as dead in the mainstream. It's looking too far to the past and just emulating the good old days of classic rock in the 70s and 60s and 80s and whatever. Instead of looking to the future, that stuff's good. Everybody knows and loves all that older rock music, but the genre can't move forward if it's too busy looking to the past. It's never going to make any forward progress. That's why bands like, particularly like someone like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who are taking rock as a genre and then pushing it forward, to me, are much more inf uh, interesting because they still have those classic rock influences. And still use some of those sounds, but instead they're really like driving forward in a way that is new and interesting because any genre can't rest on its laurels forever. That's what a lot of people I feel like get caught up with in music is they get nostalgic for the music they like and then they only want to hear things that sound like that. And they're like, oh yeah, this is the only good music. But at the end of the day, a genre has to move. Things have to move and change over time. We can't be listening to the same thing and the same genres 
and same sounds over and over and over and over and over again. And there was a time of classic rock. And if you want to listen to classic rock, go back and listen to that great classic rock. But to me, a band like Greta Van Fleet, I feel like is just struggling to find their place in the general music landscape. If they can like evolve and really like make their own sound or incorporate more weirder influences into their style, because they're really kind of doing this like, you know, I keep bringing up Zeppelin, like this like blues rock kind of thing. And as as their album's going on, I've, I, I've, I've seen some tracks get a little more interesting, uh, a little bit weirder. So I'm hoping they progress with that and kind of add more influences in or, you know, come up with something on their own that really like takes them and makes them unique from the bands that inspired them. So I don't blame anyone for liking Greta Van Fleet if you want more of what older bands gave you like Led Zeppelin this is exactly what you want if you want Led Zeppelin 2 this is Led Zeppelin 2 and if that's what your cup of tea is there's nothing wrong with that but for me personally as I said earlier I just I don't really find a reason for them to be in my musical rotation when I already have so many great classic rock bands that they're very clearly doing a slightly a less good version of their sound. But still, that's, I guess, my opinion on Greta Van Fleet. All right, moving on to another group that I had never heard of and a group that I actually had to pause the recording in this episode to look out how to pronounce their name. Cocteau Twins. I hope I pronounced that right, but I literally looked up a pronunciation guy five minutes ago. But then again, my brain is so smooth, it might have just, like, bounced right off of it. Anyways, um, so... I'm going to describe this as an 80s alt-pop group, although I'm not really sure if that's the correct term, because once again, this is, again, hitting on a kind of musical blind spot for me. This is very, like, proto, like, shoegazy kind of stuff, where you're using all these really weird effects, uh, highly mixed instruments, like the guitars and drums and bass and all is really loud, and it's kind of overpowering the... um, vocals which are kind of getting lost in the fray of the rest of the music that's kind of like what we're going for here so obviously some of you may be familiar with this group at least one of you the person who recommended me this I feel like it's a little hard for me to describe this group just because I'm not that well versed in the genre but anyways I really actually enjoyed my dive into this group's music um so I listened to their 1990 album, Heaven or Las Vegas, listened, listed as one of the essentials on Apple Music because I'm basic. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed this record. Despite the music being really kind of low-key and that's not normally my thing, it, this really did hit me. I thought the use of effects on the instruments and the low mix of the vocals, like I mentioned earlier, brought out the really interesting melodies on each instrument during all the different songs. The While this album, I feel like, had a very defined sound, it was broad enough to allow the group to move within it and put together some, like, really good songs. If this type of shoegazy, alt-pop kind of stuff is what you're interested in, I would definitely recommend giving this group a shot. I know that 80s all pop kind of stuff is on a rise since the whole world apparently just remembered that Kate Bush is a real person that used to make music. Uh, thank you, Stranger Things. Uh, nice Dio patch, by the way. That was that was a cool reference. I don't watch that show, but I've just heard about it. Anyways, um, ever since that stuff's kind of been coming back, if 
you know, you kind of want to get more into that 80s all-pop stuff, which, once again, I'm also not incredibly familiar with Kate Bush either, so I'm probably speaking out of my lane. Anyways, um, if this kind of more low-key pop sound, because, you know, 80s pop is a lot of times very, like, blitzy, and it's blaring, and it's really, really loud. If this, the more low-key side of this is something that you're more interested in, you like kind of the experimentation with effects. I would definitely check this out. Uh, I'm probably going to listen to this album a few more times through because I didn't get to listen to it that much before recording this episode. But I would definitely uh, give Heaven or Las Vegas and this group, uh, Cocktoo Twins, a recommendation. It was a really good time. So shout out to them. Next up, uh, moving to someone a little bit more well-known, Lady Gaga. Here's the thing about Gaga. You can say a lot of things about Gaga. But there's one thing you can never say about Gaga. She's never boring. Okay, maybe that's not always true, but a lot of times Gaga is doing something interesting. She is one of the most consistently groundbreaking artists in pop music. And despite not all of her experiments being up my alley, from what I hear or have heard, Lady Gaga is one of the artists that keeps trying new things all throughout her career. She's so distinct and... To me, while her newest solo record, Chromatica, is pretty good, she really did peak with stuff like The Fame Monster, which is one of the best records of its era. Songs from that time still get played even to this day, and Gaga's public antics have helped keep her name in the limelight, though even though... Unlike a lot of celebrities who are pretty much just living on controversy alone, I feel like the quality of Gaga's music has always been there. When you go back to like those early 2010s hits or late 2000s hits, this is one of the artists that you're going to be hearing the most often. I feel like it's the stuff that holds up the best. It's something that for me who really kind of got into her music like last year and this year, Lady Gaga still holds up even to this day. She's weird. She's strange. I mean, everybody knows about like the meat dress and her Super Bowl performance and all these strange things that Lady Gaga has done. But when you just put it all down, her weirdness comes together to make this perfect little bubble of like strange pop music. And I'm not saying everything she's ever done has been great, but I think for the most part, you got to put some respect on Lady Gaga's name. Just because of her willingness to push boundaries, to go out of her comfort zone, and to really just be so weird and distinct. But yeah, she's got tons and tons and tons and tons of really great songs. So yeah, I really rock with Lady Gaga. If you've never heard Lady Gaga or really taken the deep dive into her, go and listen to some of her singles and remember that some of these are actually a lot better than you may give them credit for and maybe check out a full album or two. I, I think you'll be surprised if she's kind of another pop artist that you've kind of written off. But then again, even in pretentious music circles, people do kind of like her. So, you know, anyways, Lady Gaga is really cool. So shout out to her, I guess. Next one, Harry Styles. Um, Okay. So, we're talking about Harry Styles now, which means I am not reviewing uh, Harry's House. That's just an album that kind of passed up my time. Um, So, I'm not reviewing that album. So, I know I'm going to get questions about that, and I'm going to talk about that album here, too. So, anyways. Uh, Harry Styles, to put it bluntly, has just never really done it for me. Uh, Despite him being clearly the most adventurous, experimental, 
not really that experimental. I mean, he's still pop music. Like, people claim that Harry Styles is experimental. It's not that experimental. It's experimental for pop music. Let's get that straight. Um, he is clearly the most successful member of One Direction post-breakup, but to me, his musical output has never fully clicked with me. I can recognize that Fine Line and Harry's House have a lot of good pop tunes on them, but to be honest... Only the singles really stick out for me as tracks worth returning to. I listened to Fine Line yesterday, and I just kind of didn't get the hype. And I feel like that's a shame because I do really want to like Harry Styles because I feel like he came out of the pristine boy band One Direction and actually has tried to like make some interesting choices with... Everything from, like, his fashion to, like, his music and all these kind of things. I hear all so much about him. I want to like the guy's music, but I, it just it just doesn't land for me. Besides a few good things to start off the record, uh, I feel like Harry's house, specifically his newest record, is just kind of beige, like, the walls of the album art. That's why in a lot of ways I opted not to review it is it just failed to leave an impression on me. Harry doesn't offend me. It's clear that he's got artistic vision and I respect that about him, but he really has yet to hit the nail on the head for me in terms of his solo work. Even singles like watermelon sugar, maybe that's a suffer of overplay, but it's only like decent to me. Maybe I need more listens, but I just, have yet to fully grasp it with Harry Styles, which I mean is leagues better than his other One Direction cohorts because a lot of those guys I have not even touched their solo work. But yeah, this this is a, an opinion that might give me some flack, but Harry Styles has yet to do it for me. Next up is Louis Prima, which I feel like you may not know that name or the name may sound familiar, but you've never heard the music. Uh, where you'll know Louis Prima from is he plays uh, King Louis in the Jungle Book, uh, which is where I was first exposed to him. And to be honest, his actual music is not that different from what you hear him do in that movie. It's energetic vocal jazz, and it's really fun. He's really good at what he does, hitting these crazy ranges, doing some really cool scatting. Um, it's really cool stuff. It sounds very of its time, you know, it sounds very old and dated, but it's in the most charming way possible. If you hear something like, I want to be like you in the Jungle Book, and you think, oh, I really like that style of music, I would like to hear more of that, definitely go check out the rest of his work, because I think it's it's really good stuff. Um, so, yeah, if that or that old school 50 style in general appeals to you, definitely give Louis Prima a shot. Um, I thought it was it was pretty good. Next up, Michael Jackson. I don't know how one like sits here and like lightning round sums up Michael Jackson. Alright. Despite the controversial legacy of Michael Jackson, uh the pure talent of the man is undeniable. I'm gonna talk about Michael Jackson mostly in terms of his musical output. Because for me, what I've realized as a music fan, and this is a whole nother tangent, but a lot of artists like the whole thing about like can you listen to questionable artists uh it's it's a definitely like a person by person issue of if you think somebody's problematic can you listen to them for me personally what i will say is a lot of the artists i like 
are problematic and i think just knowing that and factoring that into your enjoyment of the music and the way you interpret their message is important but if the music still speaks to you the music still speaks to you anyways rant over um it's not really a rant it was just kind of a tangent but yeah uh michael jackson is pretty much like the best ever at pretty much everything he does you want singles boom he's got some of the most iconic songs of all time people can make entire careers and sell out decent sized venues on having one single from michael jackson and he has like albums and albums and albums and albums of like classic after classic after classic speaking of which i mean you want lp boom thriller it's one of the best selling albums of all time for a damn good reason it's a good record I mean, you've probably heard the whole thing on the radio already, even if you never think you've listened to it. But yeah, Thriller is a fantastic record. Bad is also really good. And definitely, I feel like musically, he begins to lose steam towards the end of his career, which I haven't really dove into that much. But I mean, the man is so like unbelievably good as a performer. I feel like even at his worst moments, there's definitely still something there. I definitely feel a little iffy, like, calling Elvis the king of rock, which I know there's probably going to be discussion around that with the new movie coming out, but, like, calling Michael Jackson the king of pop feels absolutely like a foregone conclusion. If you want to single out one guy and say he is the best to ever do this pop thing, you got to point at one dude, Michael Jackson, that's probably your best pick. If you were doing like a pop draft and you're pick, uh, pick one, round one, Michael Jackson's who you're picking. Just the man's sheer talent on instruments, his talent as a dancer, his talent as a singer, and the way that his songs are written, I mean, not exactly in a lyrical sense, but just how they've just stood the test of time as songs that everybody of all ages has always liked. And he's not even a guy who's done one genre, too. I feel like he's really kind of incorporated a lot of different things as he's gone on with more, like, rock-influenced tracks to more R&B-influenced track. I mean, he's run the whole gambit of pop music, and I feel like he's consistent with the quality, uh, especially in that golden era, that nobody has ever done. Despite, once again, a later half of his career that's definitely a little more questionable, I think Michael Jackson definitely deserves the hype he gets. Obviously, I I would tell you to take a deep dive into Michael Jackson. Um, I should probably take an even further dive. But to be honest, most of you are probably familiar with a lot of Michael Jackson's work already. And that just speaks to the power of him as an artist. So, yeah, I, I like Michael Jackson. Not, once again, necessarily as a person. I can't speak on that. But as a musician, there's definitely a reason he is the legend he is um and the thing about legends is uh some legends are told and uh some turn to dust or to gold but you will remember them from centuries uh if you couldn't tell by that really really bad transition we're talking about fallout boy now uh so fallout boy is one of the two i think in my notes yes one of two that I don't have any notes for, and I trusted myself to just riff on. So if this goes completely off the rails, that's because I didn't write a script for it. Okay, so, Fall Out Boy. Uh, I have a lot of history with this band. Fall Out Boy was probably the first band I would ever call myself a fan of. I discovered Fall Out Boy when I was probably 10 or 9. 
yeah, it was a prior ride around, around when I was 10 or 9, and I remember that was the first real band that made me like alt-rock, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, this is post-breakup Fallout Boy, so this is, like, the first song that I ever loved from them was My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark. It was the one of the first songs I ever played in my guitar recital uh, back when I did that. Um, so... Fallout Boy has a long, long history for me, and I did take time, you know, as I got more versed into pop punk to really go back and listen to Fallout Boy as a whole. And to be honest with you, it is pretty much true, you know, I don't know if I posted this meme on my Instagram story, but everybody debates, it's like Metallica, everybody debates when Fallout Boy stopped being good. To me, Fallout Boy is not good after they break up. Fully Ado, I think, is one of the most underrated pop-punk albums of all time. I really, really, really like that record. That probably is my favorite Fall Out Boy record. But, obviously, t uh, Take This to Your Grave, Infinity on High, From Under the Cork Tree. I said those in the wrong order. I don't care. Personally, all of those are really, really solid records. Now, I can get why you wouldn't like Fall Out Boy in any context because of the kind of whininess of their lyrics sometimes the kind of fact that pete wentz kind of comes across as a general snob but i think the just quality of the songs of the band uh does a lot for me i really like patrick stump as a vocalist if you don't like him that's fine but i think he really adds a very unique charm to fallout boy as a band and I just think they have really, really, really solid songs, even on the deeper cuts on their album. So I definitely recommend, if you've liked Fallout Boy at any point, to really actually go and take a look at their, especially their early work. I think it's all really good. So, yeah, that stuff's all good. Going back to the later stuff, though, as I said, that's when I got introduced to Fallout Boy. So while I can acknowledge that Save Rock and Roll and uh, American Beauty, American Psycho are probably not the world's best records. I can sing the singles on both of those records front to back with my eyes closed, and I still do enjoy them to a certain extent because that's the music that really, like, made me kind of start to, like, find my own rock and roll that I liked, even if that's not really rock and roll. Um, but... Yeah, I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm going to get killed for saying that I enjoy parts of those records. But to be brutally honest with you, that's just the truth. As a whole, though, if you're not into that band, I wouldn't recommend listening to anything past Folia Do. Uh, Mania, on the other hand, is one of the worst goddamn things I've ever heard in my life. It's got one good song on it, and the rest is... Fallout Boy going uh, EDM, and it makes me want to slam my head against a table. I'm hoping that whenever Fallout Boy does eventually come back, because I feel like it's it's bound to happen at some point, I would like to see them hopefully do something great again. But once again, I'm not entirely keeping my hopes up for it. I am satisfied with the early work of Fallout Boy in its weird, kind of charming, nerdy, stupid catchy pop punky kind of way i really like fallout boy and 
I definitely do own like those first few records. So yeah, if you if you like Fall Out Boy and you've heard singles and you've heard Sugar We're Going Down or whatever and you like those songs, definitely take a deep dive. If you think they're obnoxious and you're like, God, I hate Fall Out Boy, you're not gonna like their albums. So just don't worry about it. And um as a twofer, even though it wasn't recommended, uh you can pretty much copy paste this rant with Panic of the Disco, um, where about halfway through their career, they kind of stopped becoming worth listening to. Um, and their early stuff is what made them good. The difference is most of the guys in Fall Out Boy, I believe, are still there. Uh, that is not true for Panic. It is just Brendan Urie now. And I'll talk more about Panic because Panic is actually coming back. And when we review that album, I'll talk more about my opinions on Panic. But yeah, Fall Out Boy, though, good band for the most part. I feel like I'm going to get killed for saying that. I feel next up uh, we're going kind of similar genres we got three in a row uh, we got Green Day Green Day is a band that despite their lows I will always somewhat like I will put them kind of in a camp not as much maybe with Fall Out Boy but with somebody like Eminem where they have like a few albums that are like classics except I think Green Day's best few are a little better than Eminem's best few because even Eminem's best records have a few really bad moments on them that's a whole nother rant. Once somebody suggests Eminem, I'll talk about that. Uh, I talk about him for hours because of all the weird thoughts I have on him. Side tangent. Anyways, back to Green Day. Um, despite the lows that the band gets to, and there are some pretty bad lows that Green Day gets to. Would not recommend listening to every single Green Day record. That would just not be good for you. Uh, I think they're still a classic band. I don't stand by a large chunk of their discography. That's where this whole Eminem comparison kind of came in in the first place. But to me, their best albums like Dookie, Nimrod, and American Idiot have stood the test of times and are still some of the records I come back to the most in the genre. I mean, you know the music is good when American Idiot, which is an, a concept record about 2004 politics, uh, which, to be honest, is not super different from today politics all the time so i guess i get it uh and albums like dookie and nimrod with names like that are considered timeless you know the music's actually pretty good behind it green day is not the most complicated band musically to be completely honest with you i mean the joke is like green day plays three chords and it's kind of true especially in some of their like really early punk centric cunt roots but that's kind of just how that genre works uh and i think it's really good their raw songwriting makes them really compelling especially in that early era when they're more of a punk band you can tell there's some real fuel in that tank uh and all the things they're saying it's very juvenile it's not mature but it is that in a way that i feel like is charming like when other bands I feel like get annoying with it I feel like Green Day doesn't and that might just because I like Billy Joe Armstrong as a vocalist and he's not super nasally at least to me despite the shift to more pop friendly music that they eventually took when they made it big uh American Idiot is still one of my favorite records even though that marks that shift it's one of my favorite records ever they've got singles for the whole world and they've got some great deep cuts for those who want to dive deeper jesus of suburbia is an incredible example of how to do a 10 minute song and it's the best song in their discography mainly because it's five different pretty good songs shoved into one 
Uh, songs like Give Me Novocaine and all that kind of stuff are really, really great moments. So American Idiot on its own really just propels this band to the next level. Same obviously can be said with Dookie, which is a very different record, but it's a record that for most people, I would say, is of similar quality. I personally prefer American Idiot, but that's another opinion that will get me flamed on the internet. Uh, the only issue is, as I mentioned, uh, they have only a few albums I feel like are really worth coming back to. I think there are some good moments on some of their later records. Um, I think Revolution Radio has a few decent songs on it, but to be honest with you, uh, if you take the real dive and really dissect like some of their first few records and American Idiot and all like that kind of stuff, I think you'll really find it's worth your time they have a lot of really great songs and the raw emotion on display in green day and just how they channel their just blistering amounts of energy on those early records and then evolve to these more thoughtful concepts stuff on things like american idiot and um whatever the follow-up to that record is that i can't remember the name of i feel like green day is definitely a band worth checking out so yeah, I just personally like Fall Out Boy. I just want them to succeed. I have a little more faith that Green Day can pull it around after Father of All was really not that good. I didn't like hate it, but it was it was pretty bad. Okay, I kind of hated it. But anyways, um that's that's my thoughts on Green Day. And the third that we're getting in this kind of little uh, pop punk trio is My Chemical Romance. This is the only band on this list I have actually done a full review for, so I'm going to point you to the direction of my Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge review, uh, as it is just the 18th anniversary of that record. Happy birthday. You'll hear a lot of my thoughts, especially on that record, but on the band in general, I have a lot of thoughts on that one. Obviously, not all my older episodes, I feel like, have the best quality, but, you know, I think there's still some good points in there. Anyways, okay, so, MCR, poster boys of 16-year-old emo phase. To be honest, though, MCR has one of the things that very few pop-punk bands have, and that's actual substance. MCR, in my opinion, kicks the teeth in from just about every single band from that era, Green Day at their best, like American Idiot or Dookie Green Day, and Paramore at their best, are some of the only bands, I think, in that entire genre that even come within shooting distance of MCR. They succeed at taking a genre like pop punk and hard rock and pushing it to the next level. The influences of all the different members of the band, because you listen to all these different guys talk about what they grew up with musically, and it all is so weird and it's different. It's all rock adjacent, but you've got like Frank Iero who grew up on punk and metal, and you got Ray Toro, who was just a big metalhead, Gerard Way, who was listening to that kind of stuff too, but it was also into a lot of like classic rock, Bowie, Queen, Beatles, that kind of stuff, and you put them all together in this band, and it makes one of the most, I think, beautiful celebrations of all these different styles of rock music ever, and um, as I said, uh, they succeed because, you know, the dynamic duo specifically of Frank Iero's melodic backing guitar combined with Ray Toro's riffs and rhythms and solos make them a more interesting band musically than just the basic power chord strumming of a lot of their contemporaries. 
Um, despite their first and last record as of now, uh, I'm talking about Bullets and Danger Days being a little more divisive to a larger audience. I think MCR consistently shows the ability to write phenomenal music. The Black Parade uh, is a top five album of all time for me. Uh, and it's still an absolute masterpiece. I could go on about it for ages and ages and ages, and I probably will. I mean, half the reason I've never talked about this record on the show is because I just have never been able to fully condense all my thoughts and like wrangle everything together I have to say about that record. But the Black Parade is just like a classic of all classics. Obviously, I talked about their fantastic sophomore record, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Uh, and I'm sure that will keep going when MCR5 eventually drops. I was relatively happy with Foundations of Decay as a single. I posted about it on my Instagram. But um, yeah, anyways, MCR is one of the best bands from that era, if not all time, in my opinion. And I know I'm really, really high on this. Uh, so definitely kind of take everything I say with a grain of salt. But MCR is one of those bands that if you've never checked them out because of the reputation alone of the Hot Topic kids and whatever, I think you're really missing out. Even when you get out of that just a phase, when you get out of that depressed, like teenage angsty kind of phase that a lot of us go through and we listen to a lot of angry music. To me, when going back to that music, MCR is the only one that sticks. There's a reason that MCR was able to come back 10 years later and sell out arenas across the world. It's because their music actually has staying power. Even when I'm in the best of moods, I can put on MCR and really enjoy it. You don't have to be like, you know, emo and like, spend all your days frequenting Hot Topic and Spencer's uh, to enjoy this type of music. So, yeah, I mean, just if you enjoy rock, even like classic rock, hard rock, metal, punk, all these kind of things, I think MCR is a great meeting point of all of these together. If you've never listened to The Black Parade, please go do yourself that favor. It's a great record. They're a great band. Uh, I'm going to cut myself off there about MCR because this is definitely not the last time I will be talking about them. All right, next up, uh, Elton John. So remember when I alluded to earlier that there's a huge musical blind spot in my classic rock that I was going to talk about? Yeah, this is it. Um, I have yet to really dive into Elton's career, which I feel like is a crime against humanity. Uh, or a crime against music in general. So I apologize in advance. If you want to cancel me for that, I wouldn't blame you. But to be honest, uh, from everything I've heard about Elton John and from all the stuff I have heard from him in terms of like music, I have no reason to believe I wouldn't like his discography. It's just going to be a matter of me getting to it. So I will hopefully be getting back to you on that. The same thing goes with the next artist, Billy Joel. Although I'm a little more familiar with some of his music. Um, I don't hate We Didn't Start the Fire as much as most people do. Because uh, I know some people either love that song or hate that song. I actually kind of like it. I feel like maybe because I like it, uh, I would actually like the majority of the rest of his stuff. Because some people think that song is like the worst goddamn thing ever. But yeah, um, I am not that familiar with Billy Joel as an albums artist. But I have really liked his singles, so... I'll probably would like his albums. Uh, next up, we got uh, the hottest artist of today, 
Beethoven, more more like Beethoven. Uh, you know, Beethoven. Here's the thing. I I really didn't write too much about Beethoven. I like Beethoven. I like a lot of his stuff. There's he obviously has a lot of really iconic classical pieces. He is one of those composers that everybody just knows by name. They know his story. They know all these kind of things about him as a person and the songs he wrote. I mean, the guy is a classical music legend. I think classical music as a whole, this era of music really kind of gets shoved to the side of just something that you learn about in school or like it's just old music for old people. But I feel like there's a lot going on there. You know, if you've never actually really like listened to classical music and you enjoy listening to like film scores, you're already halfway there. So yeah, Beethoven, I once again have yet to really like get into classical music in that sort of sense, but Beethoven has some really great songs and suites and whatever you call them. Um, yeah, he's a great composer. Wouldn't knock the guy. Plus, he, like, went deaf and kept composing. I don't even know how the hell you do that. Um, I can't compose, period. So, yeah, Beethoven's a legend. Enough said, I guess. Next up, Post Malone. Uh, same thing with Harry Styles. I am not going to be reviewing Post Malone's new album, so here is that. I'm going to be talking about that album, obviously, but just forewarning before we get into this. And to be honest, uh, Post Malone, kind of similar thoughts to with Harry Styles, but a little bit more positive. I want to like Post Malone so bad because I like him as a person. I've watched him like play on stage with the Chili Peppers and Ozzy Osbourne and really have enjoyed those. I have watched the guy play Magic the Gathering because the guy is a huge magic dork and so am I. So once again, if you want to give me plus one nerd credit for that and also want to just unsubscribe from this podcast because I play Magic the Gathering, that's also completely valid. But he just seems like a really charming guy, so I really want to like his music, uh, and I do. I really like some of his songs. I thought, like, Hollywood's Bleeding, I thought that title track is great. I thought his collaboration with Ozzy Osbourne and Travis Scott, weird as hell, but it was a really good song. I think he also has some good stuff. I really liked Rockstar when it came out. Doesn't do as much for me now. But then again, he's got other songs like Better Now and Circles that just don't really hit for me. His newest record I thought was okay. Uh, I've only listened to it one time, but even on first listen, I think there's some cool ideas going on on it. And I think it's overall like a decent record. But personally, just like a lot of his stuff... It's just, like, good but not great. It's not really crossing that line that makes me go, like, oh, this is really worth talking about. But, yeah, don't knock Post Malone. Uh, I think he seems like a great guy, uh, but obviously I haven't done that much research into it, so he could have, like, kicked a bunch of puppies for all I know. But, um, yeah, Post Malone, I think, makes decent enough music, but to be honest, I feel like if this new record doesn't stay in the limelight for too long, it might not be a good look for him. But, you know, uh, he's had some great songs, and I really like his taste in music and the way he talks about music. I think is really interesting. He's a great, like, public figure. I think he gives great interviews, all that kind of stuff. But 
as an artist and just looking at his albums just like straight up doesn't really do it for me. And we're going to end this on the most artistically significant group uh, and artist in there more significant than Michael Jackson and uh, Beethoven. Obviously, it's the Bare Naked Ladies. Um, no, it's uh, a joke. No, despite the fact that I know the song one week, um, I've enjoyed that song in the past. But to be honest, I've, I've never really looked at Bare Naked Ladies from a cr- critical lens, which I could be missing out. I'll, I'll be honest, I could be missing out. Because uh, there are a lot of bands with novelty songs that are apparently, like, really, really good. I.e. Fountains of Wayne. But, to be honest, I've never really taken a look at Bare Naked Ladies. And that song has kind of faded on me over time. Yeah, it's a funny name, though. It's it, I'll give it that. They sound like a joke band in their song that everybody knows is a joke song. So, if I dive into the rest of their discography and it's not joke songs, it'll be really hard to take seriously. Like, a song about, like heartbreak and dread and loss or whatever from like the bare naked ladies would kind of be hard to take seriously so that is it for this little lightning round um sorry if this was not exactly what you were wanting as it's been a little while since we've done an actual proper like album review because i did the interview last time and it's been since we've done kendrick but to be honest um some of the albums that have come out since then i talked about here like harry's house and uh, Post Malone just really haven't gotten me going and I didn't want to like try to make a half-hearted review of an album that didn't really like felt give me really a lot to say in my opinion but anyways um thank you guys for listening as I mentioned at the top of the show we hit all these wonderful achievements and I am absolutely so grateful to everybody especially uh just the people who have never seen me or heard of me in person uh who took the time to listen to this show somehow that really means a lot to me um and of course there's all the wonderful people in my personal life um who I try to thank as much as I can who do so much word of mouth promotion for me uh to the point where half of everybody in all of my classes at the end of senior year knew about this show and knew me as the guy with the podcast despite how many jokes are made that really means a lot to me uh as i kind of mentioned you know i'm not going to get too personal but um at the moment uh i'm getting ready for a pretty big shift as i'm moving off five and a half hours away to college um which while it's gonna maybe throw a bumping things or two as I kind of get adjusted to my new life. I've never moved before, so this is definitely going to be a pretty big life change, but um, I will actually uh, have a professional podcast studio for use there, and I am going to study journalism, uh, specifically with broadcasting, so hopefully as I learn more in college, the, the thought is that this show's quality keeps improving, not only in terms of equipment, but just in terms of scripting in general, because I feel like I have a lot of criticisms for my own scripts and whatever. But yeah, just be excited about the future of this show, because I think there's a lot of really cool things that are going to be happening. Um, so definitely stay tuned. Once again, I have talked about so many artists on this show. This lightning round was a way for me to cover a bunch more. Uh, but with the exception of MCR, all of these were uh, artists I've never talked about before. But a lot of these genres I have definitely touched on before. So if you want to go back through my uh, now over one year of podcast episodes, 
we have a crazy assortment of all sorts of genres and styles and whatnot. If you listen to music, I'm sure you can find something you'd enjoy in there somewhere, even if that's just me dogging on children on the Kids Bop Review. So, that being said, uh, I've been Nick. Thank you for listening to the Depths of Music podcast. If you want more, be sure to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, all that kind of good stuff. And until next time, I will be seeing you around.